listened to those songs and sang along with you, the thought came that it's so easy to sing the song. It's not always so easy to make the application to life. You know, when we sing these songs, it kind of stirs us in emotion, because songs speak to the heart, and it stirs the emotion within us. But it's very difficult sometimes to make what we sing about reality in our life. Because you see, the life, our life is a race. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through uh, 27 this morning, where Paul changes his metaphor from what we've been looking at from a military one to an athletic one. But understand this morning, if, if there's something that as we sing these songs and we say in our heart, God, that's what I want to be. That's how I want to live. That's how I want my life to be before you then there's something that has to take place in life for it to happen. And we'll find that this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, if you understand that this is a third kind of a message in a series that, that as I've had the opportunity to preach, we talked about God, that Satan had a methodology, how he would come and try to destroy our lives through the lust of the, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We saw in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 that there's a methodology that he uses. But we also understand that there is a need to captivate every thought because he builds strongholds in our lives and if we don't captivate the thoughts and we're not mentally tough, he will bring us down. So we can sing the songs and we can have every intent and heart that when we go out from this place and this next week that we're going to live for him just like the song said. And if your experience is like mine, we find that as the week goes on, that we find that there are distractions, there are things that draw us away from our intent. And we have to understand that Satan's tactic is to distract us from doing the things that God wants us to do. So Paul had a concern. He had a concern that we would not be disqualified from finishing well. When I read the Bible, and it's been a practice of mine since my mid-20s to try to read through Scripture every year, and as I read through it, I find very, very few people that finished well. They started out good. They had good intentions, but they didn't finish well. And Paul had a great concern of that. We see in this Scripture today that he was concerned about us finishing well and not being disqualified. The key to it is self-discipline. That's an interesting thing that we'll see today is that sometimes we say, well, God, help me. But you're going to find in the Greek today that he's going to say that it's something we have to do. It's something that is upon us. It's the burden is upon us to do it. He will give us the strength. He'll give us the opportunity. But we have to do it. A number of years ago when I was working for a mission agency, I read a book called Good to Great. Jim Collins wrote that book. He'd written other books, but uh, the, the thought of this book was to do some research and uh, set some parameters and see which companies went from good to great. And he found very few that did that. But as he wrote that book, in his, in his beginning of the book, he said that <clears throat> the biggest enemy of great is good. Sometimes we become satisfied with just what is good. What is average? Well, I'm no worse than they are. And so he said a lot of companies settle into being good and they never make it to great. 
But when he looked at those great companies, this is what he found. He found that there were disciplined people in them who had disciplined thoughts and took disciplined actions. Meaning that they knew what their purpose was, they knew where the goal was, and they weren't distracted by anything else, and their actions were very disciplined. I want to tell you this morning that even though that's a secular book, it has greater application to what we're saying today. So let me read to you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Paul said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it then to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Very sobering words. Because how would you like that at the end of the day when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we find that we've been disqualified, not from salvation, but from receiving a crown? So Paul, here was a man that loved God, and he's one of my heroes in Scripture. I think he's one that finished well. And yet you see his concern that he might be disqualified that somehow he might live a life to a point and then be tripped up and be disqualified from receiving the crown. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. We've shared with you about Corinth, uh, not a very mature church. Uh, and Paul is writing this in the midst of talking about personal liberties, that he had to give up personal liberties to do the things. They were lawful. They weren't things that were unlawful, but he gave them up so that he might accomplish what God had called him to do. And so as Paul is in Corinth for a period of times now as he writes to them, he would have seen the Isthmian Games. You know, we hear a lot about the Olympics, and we had the Olympics this year, but in Corinth, they had the Isthmian Games. They had them every other year. And so Paul would have seen the athletes as they would have been training. In every Greek city, there were racetracks that were uh, the word here for race is the word stadia. It's about 606 feet in, in length is the race. And so they would have had them there where the athletes could train and could practice and then later on compete. If we understand that Paul was saying that we need to be like those athletes. For he began to look at them and make a comparison between the Christian life and the athletic life. The athlete was required if he was going to enter the games and enter the races he had to train for 10 months he couldn't just walk up the day before and say where do I sign up he had to go into a rigorous program and of diet and exercise and rest and he this really couldn't hang with the crowd anymore because if he did he couldn't put in the time that he needed now you can look at a lot of athletes over the years that have done well and they gave up a lot of things they gave up their liberties. They were lawful to do, but they weren't expedient. And so as Paul looked at the athletes, he understood that this athlete, he said, the race all run, but there's only one winner. Now, you know, we have 
the ability today. They put a little uh, thing on you that can be timed, and so you can't say, well, the, the timer didn't get it right. It's all electronic. And sometimes it's a hundredth of a second that separates first and second place. But there's only one winner. So as Paul would have watched those races, as you and I watched, I was reminded that the NCAA Indoor Championships are happening this weekend. I don't know how they've come out yet, but in every race they've run, there's only been one winner. So as Paul looked at it, he said, they train, <coughs> they work hard, they give up things, they have self-discipline in their life, they give up certain liberties so they can run this race for the possibility of coming in first. I don't know how many ran, but let's say there were 10, 20, 30, 100, doesn't matter, only one was the winner. Now, do you know what they won? They won a wreath. In Corinth, in the beginning of their races, it was a wild celery wreath. Now, can you imagine how long that lasted? But there for that moment, there was the glory. This individual won the race, and he stood before the individual there that was awarding them, and he would place this wreath on his head. And that was one of the most coveted prizes of the day. So Paul, now writing to the Corinthian church, to a group of believers, is saying, run in such a way. Here were folks that for something that was so temporal that lasted just a short time, they put in all this effort, 10 months of training, giving up their personal liberties so that one day they had the possibility, not the guarantee, but the possibility of standing on a platform and being awarded a very temporary wreath. So Paul's going to draw a great contrast. He says the Christian life is somewhat like that, that every believer is to run, for you see, you and I are in a race. Um, you know, if, if life was a 100-meter dash, you know, we're in a, in a society of instant gratification. We like it, and we want it now. But life is not a 100-meter dash, it's a marathon. There's ups and downs. There's difficulties. There's times when you want to give up. And Paul said that all of us are in a race. Notice again, he said, do you not know? And he said, he simply is saying, you do understand what I'm saying. That those that run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Now here, here's the difference. Every one of us in this room today, we're in a race. And the truth is, every one of us can win. There's the contrast. In that physical race that was being run at the Isthmian Games or any games, the Olympics, wherever they are, there was only one winner. But the good news for us is we're in a race that everyone can win. You and I can run our race that God has set before us and we can finish well and we can win the race. So every believer can be a winner. And Paul says... Run 
in such a way to win. So there's a way. Uh, If we look at the comparison, there ought to be a rebuke that comes in our spirit today of the half-hearted effort we make. Because here were athletes that would train and they would give up everything so that they could get something so temporal. And the glory would last for just a short period of time. You can talk to athletes today that win great championships and get great accolades. And when they wake up the next morning, there's an emptiness. There's glory for a moment and then it's gone. But Paul says that we can be a winner. We're to run in such a way, no half-hearted service for Christ. I was reminded this week of the the parable of the talents where the master said he was going on a trip and he called three of his servants and he gave one five and one two and one talents and it said each according to his ability. So God today has given you according to your ability. The results may not measure out the same but they can be good results for the one that had five invested it worked it came back and made ten when the master came back he was excited to see him coming and he said to him well done good and faithful servant the man who had two was given that according to his ability he went out worked hard he invested it and he doubled it made two more and when the master came he was excited to see him for he said well done good and faithful servant But the third, when he was called before the master, said to the master, I knew you were a difficult master, hard, you required a lot, and I was fearful, so I took that one talent and I buried it. Here is your one talent. Lazy. Unwilling to put in the effort. And the master said, take away his one and give it to the one who has ten. For you see... One day we want to stand before the master and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Understand that Paul said, run in such a way as you might win. This means that we have to exercise control in all things, give up personal liberties. There are some things that we know are sin. No question, we have to give that up. If sin comes in our life, it breaks our fellowship with God. It destroys our ability to serve. It opens the gate for Satan to come in, and he can destroy us and put those strongholds in our life. So that's without question. But Paul is talking about more than that. When you read the context, he's talking about his personal liberties as an apostle. There were things that as an apostle he had the right to have, but he said, I gave them up. There are things that you and I, may it may be lawful to do, it may be okay to do, but if we're going to serve God and be the best for Him, we have to give them up. We have to sacrifice them. Because you see, how can I feed on the Word of God if I don't spend time there? And if I don't spend time there, I I use my time in some other way, and believe me, Satan will give you every distraction in the world. It's something that all of us fight every day. But we must feed on the Word. We must have the diet that that is something that God wants us to have. We must have the exercise in the practice of prayer. You know, if, if prayer was easy, we'd do more of it, wouldn't we? It's difficult. I mean, when you 
get in that quiet place to pray with the Lord, every thought in the world will come to your mind. Everything that you need to do, all of a sudden, they become urgent. There's the tyranny of the urgent that all of a sudden our mind is distracted and we're not praying to God anymore. We're thinking about things we need to do. We have to bring those thoughts into captivity. And so we understand that there's an exercise of of self-discipline, self-control in all things. Give up the liberties that they don't uh, do us any good and we feed on the Word of God. Exercise the practice of prayer and rest in the Lord. You know, you might say, well, this is, it's difficult. Well, it is, <clears throat> but it's worth it. And again, Paul is drawing a great contrast of how an athlete would go out and he'll give up things, give up friends, give up family, give up those personal liberties that he might have. He can't run with his buddies anymore. He spends his time in training. And how much more we should do that? So Paul said, run in such a way, run in a way that we might win the things that are before us. And he says in verse 25, and everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable crown. The rewards are different. I want to read several verses to you this morning about the crown, and if you want to turn with me, turn with Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight. But Paul uh, said there is a crown for us that we will receive if we finish well. Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, you see, in the Isthmian Games, there was one winner. Paul said, I have a crown, but there's one for everyone that finishes well. He had previously said in in verse 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. And there's later for me a crown of righteousness. Paul is saying, I finished well. I've done what God has asked me to do. There is a crown of life in James chapter 1, verse 12. There's a crown of glory in 1 Peter 5, 4, and it talks about its unfading glory. Not like the wreath that the Olympic or the Isthmian athlete received. There's a crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And so those songs we sang about today talk about what it's going to be like with Christ. And what we'll receive. And why we should follow him. Why we should walk with him day by day. And put in all effort that we might receive the reward. And what Paul did is then he turned to himself as a personal example. Look with me in verse 26 and 7. Therefore, if it's true, if, if the uh, Isthmian athlete gave up all these things and, ex- and exercised self-control, 
If he did it for something very temporal, and yet for us there is something that's eternal, he said, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. So he takes two athletic events, that of running and of boxing. And this is what he says about himself. He said, I I run a race with purpose, not without aim. I know where the goal is. I know where the finish line is. If you ever watch some of uh, ESPN and they show some of these uh, not-so-good plays, you know, there's the top ten and then the not top ten, and time, year after year, you'll find there's a football player running for the goal line, and about a yard before he crosses it, he gets so excited, he drops the ball and raises his hand like he scored a touchdown. Didn't finish well. Didn't know where the goal line was. Paul said, I don't run aimlessly. I run with a purpose. I am living for Christ. He wasn't casual in what he did. What happened in his life was not by accident. And then he turned to boxing. He said, I box in such a way as not beating the air. He's not doing shadow boxing. He's not doing practice. You understand that Paul understood there was a real enemy out there. <clears throat> and he's, <clears throat> he's in a fight. And he's boxing. Now, in those days, the, the Greeks would wrap their knuckles with leather thongs. And literally, when they got through with their boxing match, they had beat each other black and blue. It's an interesting word that, <clears throat> that Paul uses here in the Greek Uh, When he says that I'll bring my body under subjection, or in verse, in the uh, New New American Standard, he said, I buffet my body and make it my slave. It's a word that means to strike someone in the face below the eye. Uh, There was a parable that Jesus used. Remember when the widow came to the judge and she just pestered him and pestered him and he finally said, that, you know, she was wearing me down. Well, well Jesus used this same word. <clears throat> where the judge literally was saying, I was afraid she's going to give me a black eye. So Paul is saying that I understand the seriousness of the fight I'm in. And so I literally bruise myself. I beat myself, and so I have black eyes. I'm black and blue. And I wonder today, do we understand that that's the kind of fight we're in? That's the kind of battle that we have to wage every day? That we understand that we must stay under our body. We must beat it until it is subject to us. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, the sin nature was passed to all of us. It's our tendency for the body to want to do its own thing. And Paul said, I'm determined to not let it have its way. If David had had that understanding and that self-discipline, he wouldn't have had the problems he had. And you and I have to understand that, that as Paul is saying, there's a real enemy out there. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm in the fight of my life. I was doing a little research on the Isthmian games, and there was... 
a word there that I didn't recognize, and so I clicked on it, and it really was a no-holes-bar fighting, kind of boxing, kickboxing, wrestling. The only thing they said you couldn't gouge the eyes or things like that. But everything else was okay. No rules. That's the kind of fight we're in with Satan. No holes barred. He'll do anything he can to destroy us. And Paul says we have to stay under our body. And then he says that I will make it my slave. It's like a victor. An army that's gone out and they've taken captives and they've made them slaves and they bring them back as slaves. So we need to be a victor over our body, over our mind, over the things of this world, the flesh. So Paul has literally beat his body to bring it in to self-control so that he is the victor over his body. Paul was determined to finish well, so he goes on to say, <clears throat> less, <clears throat> excuse me, less possibly, after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now the word there for preach is the word for herald. Uh, it would have taken a special notice to the Corinthians because at the Isthmian Games, there was an individual that was the herald. He would have announced the contestants as they formed the race. He would have announced the winner. But he didn't participate in the race. You notice here, Paul not only says he's the herald, he's the one doing the preaching, but he's also running the race. You see, just because someone stands in this pulpit and preaches, we have the race to run just like everyone. It's not that we can say, Here's what you're to do, and then we go live our life like we want to. Because we're all just believers in Christ, saved by grace. Called to maybe a different task, but there's no difference between us. And so Paul is saying, my concern is that I stand in front of you and I preach and I tell you about Jesus and how the life you should live, and one day, just because I become careless, because I become lazy, I become complacent that I fall and I'm disqualified. Now, throughout the week as I'm working on this, I remembered that last year, this this last summer, in the NCAA National Championships, you know, A&M has done well in track, winning several national championships. We're coming in to the 4 by 400 race. We're number one in the standings. Florida is number two, nine points behind. You get 10 points for first place. On the first handoff, A&M drops the baton. Florida wins the race, and A&M finishes as well. Florida's number one. They get 10 points. But AM was not disqualified. They did pick up the baton. And though they didn't win the race, they got one point. And they tied for the national championship. You see, as we run a race, sometimes unexpected things happen. We have to be sure we're not disqualified. Had that athlete said, you know, I dropped the baton and he simply walked off the course, AM would not have won the national championship last year. 
And you and I sometimes, when things go wrong, want to walk off the course. But we need to pick the baton up and continue the race. Because God's a good God. And he'll help us finish. To be successful, let me just give you quick three things to kind of summarize and pull it together. Both as an athlete and as a Christian, first of all, there has to be the desire to win. You see, the men and women that run in track events do it because they desire to win. They're not out for a Sunday afternoon run. There has to be that desire, and we have to put aside the personal liberties so that we can attain Christ. There has to be the discipline to prepare. The athlete prepares. They don't go out and, and run unprepared and win. So how do we prepare ourselves? Well, memorize scripture. Crucify self with Christ according to Galatians 2.20. Resist Satan, James 4.7. Resist temptation. And that may mean changing life patterns. If you find that the pattern of your life allows Satan to tempt you, then change the pattern. Have the discipline to say, I'll not go that way again. I'll not put myself in that circumstance. And then the third thing, the determination to finish. Run with a purpose. And the purpose is to bring glory to Christ. Run with a goal in mind. Finish well. And run within the rules. To run within the rules, you've got to know the rules. This book gives us those. So today, Satan wants to destroy you. God wants to give you great victory. But you see, when it said that I stay under my body, he used a, a middle tent voice, which means you do it yourself. There's some things we have to do. God will give us the strength. He'll give us the direction. But I have to determine to do it. I have to want to do it. I have to make a determination to finish. And that's where God wants us to do today. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, like we do every Sunday, and it's a time for you to make decisions. Whatever God's put on your heart today, because all of us are different. You're at different places in this race of life. And, but God's going to bring something to your mind. It may be that you need to start the race. You need to enter the race by becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, would you come and share with the staff that will be here at the front and say, today I want to know Christ as my Savior. If you already know him, it may be that there's a need to change a life pattern or uh, to make some decision to be more self-disciplined, to get into the Word and prayer. You may want to make that decision where you are. You may want to solidify it by telling the staff, whatever you want to do. Or if you want to come and join the church, you're a believer in Christ, and God said to you, this is the place where I want you to serve and to run your race, then you come. Father, today we thank you for the privilege to stand here and share your word. And I understand, Father, the, the seriousness of it. it. Just because we say it doesn't make it happen. 
We have to live it, out, live it out in life. So I pray today that if there's someone here without you, they'll come. They'll give their life to you. Uh, those of us that know you, that we'll make decisions today that we want to serve you. We want to <clears throat> live for you so that we can finish well and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, if there's someone here that you want to join this church, then you would impress them with that. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You come as the music plays.